All right, guys. Hello. I think this microphone's on. Everything's working correctly as I've been playing with different settings. Welcome. You know, it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years since a group of 17 individuals gathered in the Wasatch Mountains of Utah to develop the Agile Manifesto. In fact, this is where they coined the term Agile, describing a methodology that has transformed the way software is developed. Now, I doubt this group considered the long-term implications beyond software development as these principles have now, of course, spread to other areas in IT like cybersecurity. Does this seem like I'm a little bit loud there? My apologies if so. Welcome to Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration from worldwide technology. Today's episode is on the alignment of agile principles and the practice, the practices, I should say, of high-performing security teams. Well, to be blunt, it's about how these agile principles can be used to improve your security team. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, it does to me as well. You know what? It's time to meet the experts. All right, gentlemen, you have been defined as the experts. How's everybody feeling? Good, good. How are you doing? Love the energy level. Way to work the room. Uh, that's excellent. <laughs> no, fantastic. You know what? Let's start with some introductions here real quick. I'd like to start right at the top here. John, do you mind telling us a little bit about what you do? You all work for Worldwide Technology, but you do uh, not drastically different things, but certainly different things in the cybersecurity area and certainly different backgrounds. But John, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, John Evans, Chief Technology Advisor with Worldwide Technology. Uh, been with Worldwide for a little over a year now. Um, as a Chief Technology Advisor, I have a pretty cool role. I get to interact with a lot of different customer sets, get to help them on their digital transformation journey, cybersecurity improvement, uh, kind of dabble in a lot of different areas, a lot of different customers. So part of why I came to Worldwide was uh, you know, that, that ability to help out a lot of different government agencies. I was... Um, I was uh, with the state of Maryland previously for about five years. I was the, the CISO for, for the state, deputy CTO. And uh, coming here really appealed to me. I get to help uh, a lot broader yeah. set of, 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 of customers. So I was worried you were going to bury the lead there, at least for what was important to me, is that I've, you've been in customer shoes. And especially as we are speaking to you know, what really works and, and what are some better ways to do things, you've, you've been down that road probably in, in as many bad ways as good ways, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll dig into that a little bit more. Thank you. Good to have you here. All right, Chris Conrad. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Rob. Good to see you again. So Chris Conrad, Senior Director of Security for Global Accounts here at WWT. I've been at Worldwide now for coming up on seven years, been in the industry for coming up on 23. Wow. And I have overall responsibility for our go-to-market strategy and our global accounts. So it's good to be here. Ah, perfect. Okay, I was going to the wrong person there real quick. Get my keys together. Uh, thank you, Chris. And, and, you know, one thing I want to point out, we'll get into this further as we go, but Chris, you wrote an article that kind of spawned this show. Uh, you know that, of course, but I'm just saying that for the benefit of the audience. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about that in just a moment. Kent, um, before we do that, though, Kent, what do you do? What do you add to this 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 uh, group of um, experts? <laughs> yeah, hi, Rob. So yeah, my name is Kent Noyes. I'm a distinguished architect in the global security practice here at Worldwide. I've been at Worldwide for about 20 years, holding various roles over time, but primarily in security. Um, based in St. Louis, near our headquarters, and always have been. And I've had the opportunity to apply Agile to a number of security reference architecture and solution builds over the past few years. So it's good to be here. Look forward to the discussion. 
Excellent. All right. So a well-rounded panel that we've assembled for today's show. Obviously, as we can see on the screen here, we're talking about uh, how we can adopt. Uh, and it assumes a little bit, of course, that we've already decided that that's good to adopt uh, these agile principles uh, in cybersecurity. And I think that's an okay assumption to a certain extent, but just in case, let's make sure we all know what we're talking about. And John, I wonder if we could start with you. Um, how do you describe, and obviously we'll keep, because the purpose of this show is, of course, not to, not to, um, it's not about agile and teaching people from scratch per se. We're not going to go in that kind of depth, but just so we're not too assumptive, how do you describe agile and what's some important terminology to understand how to, how to phrase that there? So agile is the iterative and incremental approach to software development generally. Uh, but um, there's a lot of ceremonies, a lot of practices, a lot of organizational change that comes along with, with uh, making an agile uh, team or an agile trans transformation successful. Um, and a lot of those practices, those those ceremonies can be borrowed and adopted into other areas of, of, of IT operations, cybersecurity. So I think that's part of what, what we're going to be talking about today. And certainly the idea behind iterative and incremental, um, you know, having uh, chunking up big pieces of work, basically, and uh, delivering on a on a regular cadence. Um, those, you know, that 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 also very, very well fits into the cybersecurity realm. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was just going to no, say, because no, it, it, there's there's principles of Agile that you're kind of hinting at there from iterative, you mentioned, as well as kind of the structure and the way in which you divide up large uh, uh, things that can that can seem overwhelming or difficult, which pretty much characterizes any department, security department of any sort that I've ever worked with. Uh, there's an overwhelming amount of stuff. And so the idea that there's a methodology that, that you have experienced that would work to make that more digestible uh is a is a good one i think am i saying oh, that right though? yeah 100 100 percent. and i think um uh, uh chris has some some really good examples of some customers that he's engaged with that um uh, have have actually been very successful using that iterative incre uh, and incremental type of type of approach so you know to um get a little bit more specific a lot of times you'll break work into what's called sprints which may be uh, very, very commonly would maybe be a two-week period, a period of time, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the sprint, there'd be a sprint planning where the the actual teams who are going to be doing the 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 work would estimate the amount of work that they'll be able to get done in a sprint. Then you've got your daily stand-ups every day where you talk about what was done previously, what what you're going to do today, and what are your impediments. And then at the end of the sprint, you have your your um, your sprint review, your 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 sprint demo with the stakeholders to make sure that their needs are being full, full, fulfilled, and you met your commitments for that sprint, and then your sprint retrospective, which is uh, just with your internal team where you evaluate opportunities to do things better. So I think we're gonna dive into a lot of those cer cer ceremonies and kind of talk about how they can be applied to cybersecurity. I think that's part of what we'll be doing today if I yeah, no, I think you're, no, you're in the right place. You're in the right show. Uh, and it's, um, well, Chris, you wrote an article, of course, that we were going to show in just a minute. I guess I'll go ahead and pop it up here. I think we can bring it up. Oh, I didn't have it. Here we go. Uh, so adopting agile principles in cybersecurity. There you go. It's your byline. Wow. And neither of these guys helped you with it. Um, just kidding. I'm sure everybody's weighed in at some point. The way you guys work. That's right. <laughs> well, I, so it, what, before we go too far into the article here, what would you, uh, what was the genesis of why you kind of put pen to paper on this one, so to speak? Yeah, as I said at the top in my my intro, I've been in the security space now for coming up on 23 years. And 
I've seen a lot stay the same. I've seen a lot of change over the years. But one thing that's been pretty consistent is that there's been just a lack of communication and coordination between teams. So yeah. whether it's the networking team talking with the security team, the application team talking to a database team. And so there was just a severe lack of communication, which would stall projects. People just weren't talking. So whether it's around patch management, vulnerability management, segmentation, or whatever the use case that they were trying to do, there was just a lack of, of teamwork. Yeah. And so thought about, you know, developing an article is that worldwide technology agile is a big part of what we do. We have over 500 developers here at WWT and, and leveraging just some of the principles as John was talking about a minute ago, so whether it's daily standups or scrum or iterative and getting people to work in sprints is really helping organizations develop that uh, and mature their cybersecurity practices. Well, let me ask you, and this is kind of to the group because I'm still staying centered a little bit and because um, we've hinted at where we're going and there's some terminology there, especially when we talk about Scrum kind of being a subset, as I understand it, of uh, Agile and, uh, and how you get things done and the stand-ups and some other language that, that is a little bit unique, or at least as it's used in there. Um, but what's interesting, what's jumped out at me here as we're speaking is that, um, am I, do I understand correctly that essentially what software engineer, software developers were, were uh, uh, going for when they developed the manifesto 17 years ago, and as John encouraged me to go read about, and so this is why I'm pretending I'm so much smarter than I was uh, an hour ago, um, but was the notion that similar to what you just said kind of describes a lot of security departments, they're dealing with things that maybe the communication is not because they don't want to communicate. It's because they don't know exactly how to do that in an organized fashion in a way that they know is going to contribute towards actually getting something done versus, you know, cause I know how many situations I've been in where I feel like, well, all I'm going to do is be, you know, I'm going to be talking to myself. I don't have time to explain vulnerability management to these people, you know, or whatever it is that's, that's coming up. But now this being a methodology around agile is not just for software developers. It's been proven that, wait, this is this scales a bit differently. And so I'm curious, when we look at security architectures, Kent, coming over to you, what are you seeing in parallel in terms of um, uh, kind of security architectures that might be a better fit for, for an agile approach? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the larger, more complex to me are more useful for this, particularly ones that has sort of an unpredictable path to get to the destination. You almost always know what you're trying to get to. Your overall objective has been set. But some projects you're kind of learning as you go. And I would put mm -hmm. some examples of that. I would say zero trust would be one. Segmentation, Chris Conrad mentioned just a little bit ago. Uh, shadow IT would be another one, detecting and eliminating. But these are these are very difficult to figure out you know, sort of a sequential path on. So you kind of have this iterative way of doing it with Agile that lets you work for a few weeks, target that date, and then reevaluate iteratively and start again and, and learn as you go and get a little bit better, learn how to do zero trust and, and, and also to narrow that large zero trust project down into something a little smaller that you can actually get a quick win on and make progress on. So it's very uh, uh, conducive to those types of projects. Yeah. Am I correct that at least one common thread among those that you just mentioned is, is um, kind of cross-departmental collaboration that's required? These are not things that are going to stay within the confines of security, although I, I'm challenged to think what does stay just in the confines. Anyway, but the idea is, you know, you've got to communicate. That's part of what makes it hairy and big and audacious to to do, and can be somewhat stymieing. And you're saying, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid of these things. Facilitates okay. a framework for collaboration, so it's literally sort of a structure that helps the collaboration kind of move forward. Um, 
And there's a lot of advantages to it. The collaboration is part of it, but having that focused, intense, those sprints, those focused mm -hmm. and intense sprints, uh, trying to reach a certain a set of goals by a certain date and then reevaluating your entire perspective after that has many advantages to it. To real so there's a, there's a, there's an idea of setting short achievable goals that are measurable and, and, uh, and definable. And you're, you're pausing In fact, you know what, I just do it this way, going back to, to John, walk me through what are, you know, from a, from a high level, what are the, the key processes we need to understand uh, in terms of this with a fictitious project? Cause we're going to go to Chris in just a minute and actually look at some, some case examples that he brings up in his article. But uh, at a generic level, can you describe you already mentioned the terminology, but can you put it in kind of that timeline order? What what would we expect? What's the first thing that happens and is done, and then on to a certain? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So, um, I mean, I think I, you know, I, um, I I started to kind of get there a little bit, talking a little bit about you know you the uh, you know starting with the with the sprint planning. Um, you you typically would want to figure out what's what's going to be able to be committed to in that sprint. So um, and and Kent, I think, brought up an excellent point there, too, around quick wins. That's one of the major benefits as you're trying to um, move, um, you know, agile principles into cybersecurity or or just, you know, create that that sort of change management, you know, um, um, in in an, in an environment, the organizational change that uh, that you need to have in order to uh, to really adopt the agile principles into um, anywhere in the organization, really. Uh, once people start seeing the tangible outcomes of it, once people start seeing the uh, quick wins, um, they don't they don't have to wait, you know, months and months and months or years in order to start seeing benefits from these types of programs. So um, that's something important to focus on also as you're as you're planning your uh, sprints, uh, making sure that there's going to be some sort of measurable, achievable outcome at the end of it. Uh, that your stakeholders are going to be able to point to and say these teams are really you know high 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 performing teams. They are delivering me something um, every every two weeks. Um, and then as as Kent also I think you know very uh, astutely hit on was the uh, the uh, the iterative nature of it. So you continue to to iterate. You continue to. Um, it's not just incremental where you're producing something every two weeks, but but it but it's iterative. So you're building upon and refining what you did in the previous two weeks also. So um, you know, so all that needs to be taken into account when you're doing your uh, sprint sprint planning. Um, then you commit. Um, and I think it's also worth mentioning that what's committed to in sprint planning, it's not decided by the CISO. It's not decided by the director of cybersecurity. Okay. It's decided by the people who are actually going to be doing the uh, work. Um, uh, the, and that, that prevents things from happening where you have people who are, uh, committed to things that are not realistic. If you get the actual people who are going to be doing the work, committing to the amount of work, uh, you typically find that, um, that the commitments are, 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 are met, which, which makes everybody happy. So, yeah. um, figure that was also worth mentioning in, in the software development space. It's the actual developers who would be committing to the amount of work that they'd be taking on. It wouldn't be the CIO for, 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 for instance, uh, to kind of show the similarities there. Um, and then as we talked about every day of the sprint, you'd have your sprint standup, uh, okay. your, 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 your daily standup, uh, where everybody, you know, you try to limit them to, to, you know, a, just a few minutes, your, your entire standup. And everyone just kind of says, you know, this is what I got done yesterday. This is what I'm going to do today. And the most important part, though, and it's true for an agile development team as well as for a cybersecurity team, is to say if you have any impediments to getting your your work done either that day or throughout the rest of, 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 of the sprint, 
and there needs to be somebody there who has the uh, in 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 Scrum, it's the Scrum master. But in okay. cybersecurity, there needs to be somebody there who has the authority or the charter to uh, make sure that they can escalate any of these issues, clear any of those roadblocks, so the team can stay on schedule and actually meet their 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 sprint goals and their commitments. And then at the end of the sprint, um, very important to have your sprint review and demo. Um, make sure that your stakeholders um, see the value that you talked about at the beginning of the sprint with them. And then also uh, extremely important is the retrospective. That's the opportunity for the team to get together and talk about what went well in the sprint, what they could have done done better. What they could have done better is really the most important part. So they can they can continue to get to get to get better. Um, you know, yeah. as as because uh, it, it sounds like one good thing to do here is you, you really want to avoid going too far down a path where either you're blind to what's actually happening or not happening. And uh, you're also establishing clear lines of accountability in small groups where you learn really quickly. Did you assign the right people? Because the idea is it's a small team that meets regularly. Uh, I like the sound of that because and, and, and it, as logical as it sounds to a lot of us, and I assume it still sounds logical to those maybe who don't live in the bubbles that some of us do. You guys work with customers all the time, and I'm going to hit on that. But one, well, let me ask you this, Chris, your article broke out four uh, recommendations. I'm looking down at my notes here uh, around agile principles adopting to cybersecurity. The first one I want to ask you about is you mentioned an enterprise culture must be earned. What does that mean? And why is that important to this? Yeah. So security is a process. It's not a skew. It's not a product that you can set it in and forget about it and walk away. And then security has to be integrated into the DNA of a company in order for you to have success. And it's the same thing with agile. You have to buy into it. You have to see the success of what it can bring you. And then once you have a culture of agile already implemented, and then people can start working towards those common goals, you're going to start to see maturity, as I said earlier. Okay. And that culture must be earned. And so the other, the idea is to, you start doing something, you're not telling everybody to buy in just because I said you have to buy in, like we might've done an old management style. Uh, but you're, you're saying, let's, let's work together on the results because we're going to work together to refine them as well. So if it's not working, that means we will change because it seems, sounds like there's an implicit promise in there too. Because your second point, you said define two or three use cases. And, and that makes me think if, if I'm, a, if I'm a running a large team, let's say I was a CISO of Maryland, just as making this up. Um, and, um, and, and I say, well, I've got so many projects on my plate. Agile sounds interesting, but it's hard to, I, I can't do all, all at once. You don't have to do all this at once, correct? Could you start with one or two use cases and say, let's prove this to ourselves before we start trying to bite off too much? Absolutely. And just as a general principle, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, whether it's you know a segmentation strategy or developing security orchestration automation response or SOAR, develop one or two use cases and then see if it works and make sure everybody's bought into it and see if you have success. Are you getting the return on your investments? Are you getting better KPIs? And if you do that, then you can start to add more and more different use cases that could be out there. Gotcha. Yeah, there was a couple, let's go ahead and ask, there was a couple of use cases and and, and Kent and John, I still want you to weigh in even though I'm phrasing this to Chris, but um, there was a couple of use cases you mentioned. One was around segmentation with a large right. customer and, and how, how did Agile work into that particular storyline? Well, I heard Kent talk about it earlier. I mean, segmentation itself is very complicated. Yeah, scary. So it requires everybody in the business to have 
to have a say in it. So whether it's the application team, the business owners, security team, the networking team. So you have to have all those individuals involved. And then by identifying key stakeholders and then working in, as John was saying a little bit ago, around sprints. In this particular case, it was a Fortune 100 company that we were working with that had 10 week sprints and two week milestones. So there's a lot of tasks created. There's a lot of lessons learned throughout the process. And then you can see people are starting to get bought into it as you go, because now you have everybody in the company involved in this. They can see, they have a say in what's happening here. And every day they can see the progress that they're making. Yeah. I, so I'm going to go out on a limb and it sounds awfully Pollyannic, but my marketing, Pollyannic, my marketing background it feels like this is one of those kind of things that when you start getting into it, not only does it become second nature, because I've seen that with uh, developer folks that I've worked with, because uh, they just, the language and the daily, everything that they do, are things getting done more efficiently? Um, because it feels like you're also eliminating a lot of things that tend to Absolutely. go un unrealized as to why, you know, miscommunication, lack of defined goals, accountability, measurement, you know. So you're, you're seeing positive aspects. It's not just a matter of keeping your head straight. You actually start to get more done and you, you probably have more positive outlook and you, you love your family more, I'm assuming as well. Just not only do you get the quick wins, but you can fail fast. If something's not working, you're gonna know right away and you can yeah. correct it in one of the sprints and one of the standups that you're gonna have. And then you can go back to the drawing board if you need to, but absolutely it's a way to do it. It's it, efficient, Rob, I go out there. Yeah. It's also kind of enjoyable, especially for engineers. Yeah engineers that are participating in it. I mean, they know clearly what they're trying to produce and they're trying to produce that thing within a, a reasonably short amount of time. So they can literally sprint towards that date. And it's, you know, checking that box is, is actually, you know, pretty enjoyable for an engineer to be able to do that. They accomplish it, then they get to move on to something different, something else that's uh, maybe equally as enjoyable. So. Yeah, cynically, I've always said, I'm a big fan of low expectations. Um, but that's a, that's a cynical twist on the fact that the idea is to set reasonable goals Let's all enjoy the fact that our goals can be achieved. And then, you know, in this in this world, as you describe it, the idea is that my small goal is contributing to your small goal, your smart goal. You know, and th these things are all heading in the right direction, which may seem kind of fantastical to many people who are working and they're like, Ugh, my department's nowhere near being able to do something like this. But you guys work with customers a lot. So you've seen them make these transitions. I assume you've worked with a lot of customers where you're working with them from the beginning, correct? What are what are the kind of things you tend to see? What kind of pushback do you guys get? I would say we haven't gotten too much pushback because they're seeing okay. the benefits of it right away. And I would say that it's across all industries too. You would think that just the private sector would be doing this, but we're seeing service providers doing, we're even seeing the public sector get engaged with this now more than John can and talk to about it and some of the pitfalls, why they haven't adopted it faster. Yeah. But I was just reading an article was a, a week or two ago that DHS was launching a 60 day cyber sprints uh, based on an executive order. So it's good to see that all industries now are starting to adopt this. Yeah. John, what's, what's been your experience with that? Cause I also wonder how, 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 how um, sacrosanct is it when you, uh, we, I don't think we, I don't know if we brought it up here or not, but there's like 12 principles of, um, of Agile. And one of those is that those stand-up meetings need to be physical in person, which just jumped out at me, obviously, because we're, none of us are physically in person lately, but I, I know that this, this must still work. But I think the principle is simply about the eye-to-eye -eye daily accountability that's most important, not necessarily the letter of how it was originally designed per se, but I don't know, what's your experience in that? I mean, on that specific part, you know, the, the, 
the reason that they were largely encouraged to be in person was just because that's considered the you know the the um the most impactful mode of communication is is in-person communication so I in agree. order to i miss it yeah <laughs> So I, yeah, I mean, and there's been a lot of studies that I that I think show show that, and I think that that's really what that was based on. Obviously, we can't do it now, and I've done um, virtual standups. I mean, I I did them for uh, years just because it was too tough to have, um, you know, off, oftentimes everyone in the same room. A lot. I mean, I used to have, um, you know, offshore developers. I was going to say teams are spread out now. They could be anywhere in the yeah, world in some situations. Yeah. I'm not going to fly to India for a daily standup. It just doesn't make sense. So this is in previous roles, but um. Um, so yeah, I'm not, no, I think that you're right. You know, we need to look at the, the spirit behind them, not, not the letter of, of the agile principles, you know, one of the principles, and I, I think it's kind of an interesting tie in here to what you were saying, what Chris was saying, one of the principles, I'm going to very much paraphrase here to make it more relevant to the cybersecurity realm, but it's basically, uh, progress over documentation it, in the wow. principle is working code okay. over documentation doesn't mean that you don't do documentation. It just means you do the right amount of documentation. So uh, you were talking about the some of the efficiencies. You and Chris were talking about some of the efficiencies that can be gained um, by implementing Agile. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tie this back into your question, too, because um, I have at times seen some pushback with adopting an Agile, real, you know, structured Agile methodology uh, in cybersecurity teams in the public sector. But you can explain to them that, you know, this is the direction that cyber is already going. So when I look at the principle of uh, progress over doc documentation, that relates very much to, you know, some of the CDM processes that 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 we're seeing now. It relates to things like um, Air Force's fa fast track to to ATO, where um, your your system authorization is based on um, empirical data uh, versus documentation. So you actually test to make sure that your systems are, are, are secure versus creating documentation. And, and then and then there's ongoing checks to make sure that your systems are, are remaining the way that they're supposed to. So um, not only do you make things more efficient, but you're actually making things more secure by adopting some of these agile pr principles. And just so you know that I do study, I, I went and I looked up empirical after we'd last spoken just to make sure. And of course I'm going, oh, of course. But really, when you're talking about empirical data, you're referring to something that is that is uh, physically testable. You can see the results of something in a real world situation. So uh, because I, I've been struck and this is the thought, I guess, I've been trying to get out this whole time. But is when I was looking at the developer types that were frustrated and they were uh, working in the Wasatch Mountains to create the, the original manifesto, which is interesting to read and it's very short and, and easy to digest and it makes just a ton of sense. But you can see their frustration with big monolithic software and uh, you know, um, uh, management expectations that weren't realistic, uh, it, you know, and so they were proposing a change that has been proven to be very necessary for the way in which work gets done these days. And there's a lot of parallels, I feel like, to the way you know, a, a cybersecurity, um, as proactive as you want to be in security, it's ultimately a reactive role. And it's like you have to be, I think, as organized and process oriented as possible to deal with the stuff that can't be process oriented because you just you're not be ready for the for the dynamics of that. Chris, you're nodding your head. Does it what what, what is your comment there? Yeah, I just wanted to say just with the with the threat landscape evolving every single day, just whether it's um, nation state attacks, whether it's ransomware attacks, the ever-changing regulation. Supply chain attacks, yeah. Supply chain attacks. 
if you if you're not working in an agile fashion today you're going to get buried yeah and so you almost have to do it today more than ever before well and i love because i assume that most of the time this has to come from a top-down decision but it's by no means as you've already said not a top-down type of control whatsoever it's very much put that put the uh, control in the hands of the people who who know what needs to be done. And when they commit to it, they're obviously, I know when I'm asked to commit to something, I'm much more inclined to do it than if someone just told me to do it within a certain time frame. If I told you I could, suddenly I'm, I'm on the hook in a much different way. Um, just to kind of round off before we talk about uh, what Worldwide is doing to help people over the hump that want to do this further. Uh, Kent, was there anything else on challenges or anything that, that are important to understand or be aware of ahead of time when, when someone is looking to embark on this or any other words of wisdom that you want to double down on? In terms of challenges in doing agile? Yeah, just adopting agile from someone who's, uh, you know, really, and I think maybe it's good, the contrast you had kind of told me about before, I guess is where I'm leading is what's not agile? Like, how would you describe mm -hmm. You know, you yeah, mentioned waterfall, so, I think, but it, it's not, some of yeah, us don't even have a terminology. It's no process, I would assume. Right. So waterfall is sort of the other, typically the other alternative that I see. In fact, I'm working in one organization right now. They've probably got 75 different security projects going at one time. And I would say about 50 or 60 of those are waterfall and the remainder are agile. It's within pocket in, in terms of how they do it. Waterfall is more sequential. It's linear. You're actually, you kind of know step-by-step step what you're going to do. Almost picture a Gantt chart and a project manager who just simply calls me for updates. Exactly. And just and wants to check it off or wants me to check into the, the base camp or whatever program is being used. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the sequence okay. of events. You know ahead of time what you're going to do. You're going to reach a certain date. You know, it's, it's traditional project planning for it. Um, you know, again, and I contrast that with, I think what you kind of have to do in some security cases these days around zero trust or seg, some of those that are more complicated where you you, you kind of got to learn what you're doing a little bit. You don't know what those specific steps are yet. You don't even know, you, you know you can get there. You know enough, you have enough information to know that you can get there. You're just not sure exactly how you're going to get there specifically. And so to have that iterative look at it, which is in contrast to the waterfall approach, I think is, is extremely advantageous to those types of projects. But the structure it presents to me is advantageous to any project, frankly. I mean, there's so much... Uh, efficiency that we have we've already described and built into it is there a difference here in terms of things that are project oriented versus that aren't because it also strikes me that there's a lot of things that go on that are just daily stuff you have to get done mm -hmm. and that you're going you know are there principles within here that are still going to fit in that situation or is there inevitably going to be stuff that you don't necessarily make part of the agile process it just gets easier mm -hmm. if everything else is under control i don't know am i off base on that we at all we used to for everything even internally i mean we yeah. For content that's placed out, you know, articles, writing articles, creating videos, content placed out on WBT.com, building labs. We use it for that as well. We use it for almost anything where we're producing a product, if you will, something that's sort of compartmentalized and created and pushed out somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I could apply it to almost anything. Yes, really. Well, and that's, Kent, a, yeah, keep going. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, Kent, to your, to your point, you know, um, uh, the old school way, I guess, of project management, you were talking about the Gantt charts. Um, it works really well when you know everything upfront about what's going to happen in your, in your project. Uh, the old analogy I think is building houses. You know, these large home developers have built hundreds, thousands of, of houses and that type of methodology works really well for them because they're able to account for pretty much every single thing that is going to happen in that, in that home build. Um, Technology doesn't work like that, and certainly not cybersecurity. Um, and you know, a lot of times when you talk project-based, also, 
projects typically have a defined start and a defined end. You never end your cybersecurity pro program. Yeah, um, you know, even individual uh, things, you know, activities that you're doing with with within it, you're always trying to optimize. You're always trying to keep up with the with the current threats. So, um, yeah, can I, uh, you know, just just couldn't agree with you more. I just wanted to chime in. <laughs> no, please, that's what you should do. And I love a good metaphor uh, that always helps. And you know, Kent, you'd mentioned. I saw I bring up Chris's article. Guys, it is linked uh, beneath the show, so more than likely, if you're watching this live especially, you're certainly seeing it at www.com, which we encourage you to register, fill out your profile so you can interact, connect with some of your favorite engineers and technical types and such like this. But also, as you're watching the show, you'll just scroll down further. In the same place you're watching it, you should see a link not only to Chris's article, but also to, uh, and let me switch over here, to uh, these services. And as, I, as I'm scrolling down through this, I, I don't want to read it, of course. Anyone can read that, but um, who could jump in and tell me a little bit about? Because you guys have formalized a practice around helping people, uh, help people, helping organizations uh, make this conversion. Because there's a lot more, obviously, that doesn't come up here in terms of cultural adoption and 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 any number of individual personal things that happen uniquely within certain companies that they're going to want to have some experienced people weigh in on how to handle that. Um, can someone kind of speak to the services around worldwide technology and what you guys uh, offer there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, everything from, like you said, you can go on here and, and read, but whether it's briefings, whether it's workshops, or whether it's agile coaching, you know, that's an area that we can start with then. As a lot of organizations are saying, what is agile and how do I adopt it? We can do agile coaching. That could be an avenue. We could also be helping them pick particular uh, solutions or architectures like continuous compliance. You know, if you are just doing security assessments once a month or once a quarter, it's not enough. As I said in a minute ago, the threat yeah. landscape is changing all the time. So doing continuous assessments and what does that look like? Could be an avenue there or helping you pick the right product for your solutions that you're trying to accomplish. It's kind of funny because that reminds me of, you know, some of the, what we now in shorthand call CICD or continuous innovation. But you talk about con continuously testing your security, which sounds empirical to me. Um, and then also by continuously doing it, you know, I know uh, a lot of developers when they were going through this process and they're, you know, in, and not everybody's like this, of course, but the ones that have, have done it in a mature manner, there was once a, a pushback into, wait a minute, this sounds like more meetings, this... Um, it takes us six months to roll out a rev of software. How do you, why do you expect us to do that in months and then in weeks and then ideally daily, if not multiple times a day, which is really what they are working towards. But those same principles obviously get into, because I think when you're in that mindset, which is change is the norm, and I think some version of that is probably one of the principles, is that you begin uh, just being much more, oh God, I can't believe it was going, there, much more agile. Uh, in terms of your ability to respond to the dynamic nature of what you're dealing with. Is that, is that still on track? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's absolutely spot on. And just adding one more thing to me, just also putting agile principles in our service delivery capabilities. So now what we're doing with our customers is we're having uh, sunrise and sunset calls with them to give them status of particular projects that may be very complex. Oh, interesting. A huge benefit in that as well. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Do you find that, let's say, two companies that work together, you work with a lot, your organization works with a lot of other organizations, if they are uh, further along in this process, do you find them setting expectations for you differently um, based on the fact that you're now speaking maybe that same process-oriented language? 
all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Morning meetings. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't like that, you know, what's funny is my first reaction is when you talk about daily meetings is I first groan inwardly, but now that I've gone through this and I look at it, I think it becomes something as, yeah, meetings as a lot of us experience them on a regular basis are horrible. Uh, but that's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about, you called them stand-ups, John, specifically. And I don't know if you mentioned this, but my understanding is whether it actually happens all the time or not, the idea is that you're, if you're standing up in a meeting, you're, you're not going to be bloviating for long. I can, but I'm a professional. Um, you know, but some people... Uh, you know, do that too, because the whole focus, the whole focus is focus, which is we've got 15 minutes, which is a nice tight amount of time where sure. each person, and it's probably a lot of, we're going through Bob, Jim, Janet, and, and onward, right? And it's probably the exact same thing every morning. Everybody knows that coming in. So they know it's not a, a drag. And it's also a chance for them to go, I finished this. I did this. I'm ready for this. Or I've got a problem I need help with before I can really execute. I like the sound of that, and it's it's it just sounds logical, and I think that's something security um, is really in need of. Any final statements? Because I don't know that I ever will drag all the right information out of you, um, but just either one of you, uh, any of you, uh, final statements, things you want to make sure people remember. Go ahead, John. One of the things well, I, I was going to say, one of the things that I would say to kind of tie together, um, you know, the conversation that you were having, and and then some of the comments that uh, Chris Chris made. I I, I have experienced where um, there's a lot of uneasiness around um, these very frequent, very rapid releases, the CICD type of environments that you were talking about, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, at least on the public sector side, I don't think that exists probably as much on the private sector side, but on the public sector side, I have seen that. And, um, and then Chris was talking a little bit about having the right, um, uh, the right tools, the right tech technology also to support your agile transformation. And um, things like automation, you know, secure, you know, automation of some of your security components become very, very important and getting those tuned correctly to make sure that you're catching the right things. Um, that's another area uh, we were talking a little bit around some of the services that WWT can offer. Um, and it kind of ties that whole conversation together a little bit in, in, in another aspect there around making sure that you've got the right tech technology to support your agile transformation and a trusted partner to help make sure that that tech, that, that, that tech is operating as, as it should. I know of one trusted partner. Chris, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think a, a great place to go is to, to www.t.com, visit our, our platform, because not just in the security area, but go venture off into all the various articles that we have just around agile itself. I think yeah. it'll help educate you on what it means and then you can slowly start to adopt it within your own organization. Perfect. And just to be fair, Kent, any final word? Are you good? No, I would say you flashed up those services earlier. Uh, yeah. There was one on there called Virtual CISO. If I was going to point you to one service we offer, it's quite popular as a virtual CISO. It's kind of CISO on loan or could be a lead architect on loan. And they specialize uh, in advisory capacity of building these types of programs up and the approaches to those programs as well. We offer advisory services all the way down to the deep technical hands-on services, kind of a nice, you know, the gambit there. But oh, that one's virtual CISO service is the one that I would probably highlight in the time that I have here. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I think what I, did I cut someone off? No. Okay. What I like most is you guys bring an experience, not only from working on customer size yourself, but certainly just big and small customers that have been at various stages of things. And I think that becomes really critical because none of this stuff is turnkey. None of it comes in an appliance form factor as nice as that might be assuming that ever worked in the past, but either way, 
this is the type of thing I think we need to move forward and continue to accelerate and uh, really uh, outduel our competition. But thank you so much for taking the time and breaking this down because I know I've learned a lot. To those of you watching, of course, as you've heard at WWT.com, uh, I'll put a link up when we uh, at the end of the stream here. But thank you so much for watching. Please register, uh, watch for additional episodes, and then ping these, ping these people, ping these guys. Let them know that you need help with whatever it is you need help with. They are really good at answering dumb questions, I can tell you for sure. Guys, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. you too.